Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So friends, I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about how to live a healthy, balanced life when you have both kids and demanding career. I wanted to do this episode because I know that so many of you are in a similar situation to me where you're trying to figure out how to be the best mom you can possibly be while also balancing a career and doing all the other things like laundry and trying to you know, find pockets of rest here and there. I know there are also women listening who want to have kids in the future, but you're trying to figure out the logistics of how this would work. You're asking questions like, how would I find and afford childcare? Or is it really possible to work and be a mom at the same time? These are really great questions and my guest for today's episode is gonna help answer them. Today, we've invited my friend Robin Long back onto the podcast. Robin is a Pilates instructor. She's the founder and CEO of Lindy Well. She's mom of four kids under the age of nine. And most recently, she added the title of author to her long list of achievements. Robin is someone I've followed and admired for years. She has incredible wisdom to share about balancing work life and being a mom because she's been doing it herself for the last nine years. She even has twins like me. Friends, I hope that this episode is a reminder that you're not alone in this journey. There are people in your corner cheering you on as you go. I cannot wait for you to hear from Robin. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, 
BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. You guys, I'm, I'm truly thrilled for who we have on the show today. I'm sitting here with my friend, Robin Long. And Robin, this is your third time on the show. Is that right? I am so honored. I think so. I was I trying to look strange. back on our previous dates and I am so honored and it's been a little too long. I'm so excited to be back. It's been too long. It's been too long. Um, you guys, I just, I need to brag on Robin for a minute. So we've been like long distance friends for a long time now. Um, I feel like we kind of both got started, you know, with our little like corners of the internet around the same time. And I've just been a fan of yours for so long. And like to this day, whenever I think about, I had a counselor one time tell me to choose your gurus. Like Mm -hmm. it was when my girls were born and she was, uh, she was like, you are so overwhelmed trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Pick a couple of voices that you listen to. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like health and strength and moving my body and just taking care of my body, like you are truly at the top of my list of gurus. Like you are probably the, 100% the loudest voice um, when it comes to taking care of, of my body in, in that way. And so, um, and you have been for years. So uh, guys, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm so honored to hear that. Thank you. Um, I, so, okay, before we dive in, before I get so sidetracked, tell us who you are, what you do. And if you have a fun fact, I would love to hear it. Okay. So my name is Robin Long. I am the founder of Lindy Well. 
And through Lindy Well, we have a worldwide community. We have an app and we provide online Pilates workouts, breath work, uh, nutrition recipes and support. And more than anything, we provide a unique and more balanced approach to health and wellness. And we'll probably talk about that today. Um, is people often think, oh, you're in the fitness space. And I'm like, caveat, yes, but not in the way that you might think. And so I recently wrote a book called Well to the Core, which is so fun to have out in the world now because that is really my whole approach in a book and helps people to see and understand that I'm not talking about fitness and health and wellness in the traditional ways that you will find when you're scrolling Instagram. In fact, I'm digging deeper than that. I'm I'm helping people reframe the way we look at our bodies, exercise, food in a way that really supports true wellness. So not just aesthetic wellness or not just trends or just weight loss, but really wellness to our core. So I'm very passionate about that. I am also a Pilates instructor, um, if I didn't mention that. I am also now a certified nutritionist. I've been working on that the last few years. And I'm a mom of four. So my fun fact is that I am also a twin mama. Uh, My twins are fraternal boy girl and they're our youngest and they just turned five. And that is another fun way that we have connected over the years. So that's my fun fact. It really is. It really is. I was just telling Robin, she was like one of the only twin parents I knew when I found out I was having twins. And like the, you know, there was like a book that you really recommended that I totally read and have passed on. Like there's, um, they're just like different products that you like swore by. And I just, I feel like you passed this really awesome twin baton to me and I've gotten to pass on the things Aww. that you shared with me to other people. And it's, it's, it's a club. We're like, can you believe this? This is wild. How, this is a crazy journey, this twin thing, but it's really fun to get to do it together. <laughs> it is. I love to hear that. And it's so true. Finding those people who get it and can help you and say, hey, I figured this out the hard way and you don't have to um, is gold as you are navigating life with twins because it is it is different. I have others too. I have singletons as they call them once you enter the twin world. And yes. <laughs> um, they're a lot of work too, but it is definitely different having twins. So I it get is, it. Yeah. It's a, it's, it is really fun getting to talk to people who have twins. You're like, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a really unique experience and really awesome in so many ways and also like hard in a lot of ways. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, okay. Today, over the last couple of years, I would say probably since having my girls, I have become really curious about how other people, other women specifically are like putting together the pieces of their lives. there is so much that is that we could be doing. There's so many things pulling at us. Um, and a lot of people telling us like the right, like the right way to do it. Um, there are just a lot of voices weighing weighing in on what our lives should look like, what our family should look like. Um, and so I, I just feel like I want to stop every woman that I see on the street and go, how have you done this? Like what what did you decide was important? What did you, what have you let go of? Because I know that it's it's a total lie that someone's doing it all. Like no yeah. one is doing it all. So I think my question more and more has been, what aren't you doing? Like, how did you figure out what to do and what not to do? And so I'm so excited to, to get to hear from you how you've like not balanced all the things, but how you figured out what to, what are your things and what aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before we talk about like doing 
all the things. Tell us about LindyWell. Like, how did this get started? It's it's only recent that it's called LindyWell, right? Yeah. I just would love mm-hmm. to hear um, your career story. Yes. And I'm glad that you set this question up that way because the things you're talking about, you know, what I'm not doing, what I've chose to do, it it all is really deeply embedded in the story of building LindyWell to where it is today mm-hmm. and the choices I've made along the way. So um, I think similar to you, I started... Well, well, first I started as a Pilates instructor. So I was working in a corporate job. I was not thriving. I was at that <laughs> point in time realizing I'm not really interested in commercial real estate development. I'm really not finding my passion here. At the time, I also started experiencing debilitating anxiety for the first time in my life. I had never experienced anxiety and it was so high. It was to the point where you know I could barely function. I could barely make it through the day. And it just kind of came on out of the blue, was really intense. A lot of it was actually around health stuff. So I had a lot of fear and anxiety around my health, um, getting sick, you know, possibly getting sick. Um, what was wrong with me? Like symptoms, lots of fear and concerns. I was also at the time, and this makes sense, I was experiencing some mysterious symptoms. So I was having stomach pains. I was having bloating, low energy, some aches. Um, my back was hurting. My neck was hurting. So I had some things going on and doctors kept telling me, I don't know what's going on. You're probably fine. You're probably just stressed. I remember one doctor leaned against his desk and he said, you're what we call an enigma. And you're going to keep coming in with a new problem. And you know, to someone with anxiety who seriously thinks something is wrong, I was like caught in this really tough situation of, is it just my anxiety? But no, I also know something's wrong. So that really can, can be And also stressful. the fact that you don't know what's wrong and the fact that you're kind of acting like this is no big deal and I'm just making yes. it up. All of that, that just is infuriating. spikes your anxiety even higher, right? Because now I don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. Um, I'm left to my own devices to figure this out. So that was really heavy in my life at that time. I started seeing a counselor for the first time. But also around that time, I started doing Pilates. And it was incredible how Pilates helped me through that season. So I had always been someone who was an exerciser, mostly because, and I talk about, we can talk about this more in a little bit, but mostly because I wanted to change my body. I didn't like my body. I wanted to be smaller. I wanted to look like the covers on the magazines. I wanted to lose 10 pounds. I was never significantly overweight, but I was always focused on trying to change my body. So I had negative body image. I was using exercise as a means to an end just to try to look better or change my body. I didn't really enjoy the process and I had anxiety, right? So all of these things going on, Pilates came at a time for me when it helped me with all of that. So not only did it help me start to release tension from my body and help to overcome my anxiety by reducing stress and getting me connected to my body again, it also helped me to get in great shape and build new strength and feel strong without, you know, working so hard in the gym and, and hating the process and using it as a tool to make up for food I ate the day before, right? It became something totally different for me. So it was a life-changing moment. So long, long caveat there, but that's a huge reason of why Pilates became a central component in my life and career. So I decided to leave my commercial real estate job and become a Pilates instructor started building my business in person, um, but quickly realized that I wanted to start a family someday. 
I wanted to grow in my career and I had quickly kind of reached my ceiling. I was teaching 10 hours a day. You really can't do that for long without burning out. (laughs) I had reached my max earning potential, right? An hourly job. And I was like, I know we're going to move. So I'm going to have to start to rebuild my clientele every time we move. And I want to be a mom someday. So how can I figure out how to make Pilates work for me? So this was about 14 years ago that I taught my first class online. And I just recorded it on my iPhone in my little spare bedroom. And I created an online program. And so I ran that for a few years. And it eventually evolved into a membership because our because people were coming back to the programs and coming back and asking for more. And all of this I share because it just was evolving really al- alongside my evolution as growing our family. So I always say I've been growing a business and growing a family at the exact same time. And as a result, that has really informed a lot of the decisions I've made of how I build my business and even the pace at which I've built it. I absolutely could sit here and say, gosh, my company could be in a different place. It could be bigger. I could have gone harder. I could have done these different things. But I chose my priorities and my priority was my lifestyle and being a present mom and being a mom first and a business owner second. And that doesn't mean that I spend all my time with my kids. I've learned over the years that actually doesn't necessarily mean that I don't ever have childcare or I work only during their nap times. I did for years. Now, you know, then I've had seasons of nannies and I've had seasons where my kids are in school and I have a whole team behind the scenes at Lindy Well. I've had to hire, but all with the priority of caring passionately about my business, wanting to make a big impact, loving the work I do, but also really wanting to prioritize my time with my kids in these young years that are fleeting. So we could probably go a lot of directions with that, but every decision I've made has been a result of that priority and also trying to listen to what does God have for me in this season and how can I honor that? That's so... I'm like, I'm like, I have so many questions. That's so... It's so good though. And I feel like the first reminder that I'm taking away is I think one of the things that happens if you... When you have a couple things that you really care about and you're really working on at the same time is that, um, I don't know, you feel the push-pull of like, I really want to I really want to be present here, but I, I don't want to lose out on progress here. And so mm-hmm. I, I think half of me feels this like, oh, I want to work on this and I want to build this and I want to write this and I want to record this and I want to like, I have all these ideas and I don't, but I don't have quite as much time as I used to. Mm-hmm. And so just like, I don't know, just a reminder that you can, you can, even if you're building something and you really, really care about what you're building, you also are allowed to build it a little slower if you need Mm -hmm. to. Absolutely. And, you know, for example, the book, right? You're talking about writing. I had thought about writing a book earlier on, but just couldn't justify for me that the timing was right while running the business. Cause I, you know, have my work is not just writing, it's, running the membership and supporting our community and our team. Um, But, you know, I started writing it as my twins got a little bit older. So my youngest were older. And it's kind of amazing how the timing works out is that it launched when they went to kindergarten. So, you know, they're in school now and there is a different shift. And I'm here in my house right now with no kids and they're not with babysitters. They're at school. It's crazy. And so there are these seasons 
that will change. And I think there's always going to be that push and pull. And I've felt it at different times. I really love that our whole team at Lindywell, for the most part, and I shouldn't say our whole team, a lot of our team at Lindywell is also working moms. So we can also understand with each other that push and pull. And we'll, sometimes you'll have a few weeks where you're like, I feel really out of balance. I've been gone a lot or I've been... I just feel like I'm not getting that time I want. But then a few weeks later, you know, if you're intentional, then you're like, okay, I actually kind of got that back to the place it needs to be. And then a few months later, it's going to go off again. And then it's going to come back. And so I just feel like letting those ebbs and flows happen without feeling like this is permanent. This is my new life. You know, of course, if you're recognizing a pattern week after week, month after month, maybe there needs to be a change. But I do find that I have learn to ride the ebbs and flows and recognize that while I might feel more pulled in the business, in the work during a certain window or period of time, there are other times where then I can lean more into the family and feel like, okay, I've got my balance back, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love that idea of balance. I think a lot of times when we think about doing all the things or being balanced or something like that, it's like a pie that's like evenly mm-hmm. divided and and flat. Um, yeah. And so it's always like, you know, I give one hour to this and one hour to this right. and one hour to this. And if I don't, then I feel guilty and I feel like I, I'm, out of, I'm out of balance. But I've noticed the same thing that sometimes it's really work heavy. Sometimes it's really family heavy. Sometimes I just need a lot more rest. And sometimes mm-hmm. I need, I don't need as much. And But when you kind of zoom out, over a week or a month or you know a year or something you go oh no like i had all the pieces it just wasn't yeah. like in daily chunks it was more in like absolutely like a kind of even i out. love i love the way you're talking about that and i talk about that a lot in my book too because the same is true for our wellness right and so this can be related to parenting it can be related to so many different things but when we do widen our view like that to recognize same with same with health right? Sometimes the healthiest thing for you to do is exercise more. (laughs) Like you need to get moving more. That is actually the healthier thing for you. Sometimes the healthier thing to do this, and I've been in this season, post twins, experiencing hormonal adrenal burnout, (laughs) working around working and having twins and two other kids, that does a number on your nervous system and your body. Um, during that season, what was the healthiest thing for me? It was actually not pushing myself in workouts really hard. It was actually prioritizing rest. And whenever I used to share this with people, they'd be like, oh yeah, so I, I get what you're saying, like more hikes and walks and less workouts. And I was like, no, 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 you're not hearing me. I mean like rest, like, <laughs> like not <Yeah>. adding another <laughs> thing to my to-do list, not trying to be productive in my off hour. Um, like I truly needed to rest. And then now I'm in a season where it's like, okay, yeah, it is actually the walks and different things that actually provide some of those health benefits. But the point being, it's going to look different for you in every season. And it's not going to look like the person on Instagram or even maybe your best friend or your mom or your sister or your husband or whoever it might be in your life that you're kind of seeing a difference in, right? And it can be hard because we feel like we need to measure up or what they're doing is the better thing. But we are all unique. We are bio-individually unique, not only in our body chemistry and actually what our bodies need, but also in our season of life, our mental health, our physical health and capacity. And so we can relate this to work and how we're managing all of those things, right? How I run my business it's going to look different than someone who's not in my 
position, who's not in my day-to-day lifestyle. I used to be mentored by a lot of uh, single men, (laughs) which I learned so much from them. But what they were telling me to do was not going to work for me, right? So I had to take that information, filter it through and say, okay, but I'm a married woman with four young kids. So I can take that advice and then I can filter it through what works for me. And so I think that's true in business, in life, in parenting, and even our health, as I talk a lot about you know, over at Lindywell, which is, is super freeing, I hope, for people to recognize, gosh, we can actually honor the season we're in, the bodies we have, the lives we have, and not have to compare to what others are doing so often. That's so... Like you're speaking my language like crazy right now. I, I love that so much. And I'm so glad that you said the comparison thing because... And like that you broadened it beyond you know, what you see people doing on Instagram. Like that is hard. <laughs> That's, that is a beast in and of itself. But also like, I think one of the people that I find myself actually comparing myself to the most when it comes to my need for rest is my husband. Mm. Because he is the kind of person who really is totally fine with like five or six hours of sleep at night. And he like he stays up way later. He always has his whole life um, and gets up a little bit later. But like he does some of his best work at like midnight or something, oh, wow. which I totally cannot relate to. Yeah. Um, and Me there either. are just times where like, like he can keep going and I need to stop or I can keep going, but he needs to stop. And like, I don't know. I think, I think especially because in this season of life, we're carrying so much and we're carrying so much together yeah. that there's an element of like, I don't want him to think that I'm like dropping the ball, you know, because it really impacts him. It's not even like a pride thing. It just really impacts him. But being able to say, you know what? Genuinely, I'm like an eight to nine hour kind of person. (laughs) If I can get enough sleep, I'm so much better during the day. And like, like he's totally embraced that, but like I can too. I I don't need to be, we don't need to like match up exactly. That's so real. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think more people experience than this than we talk about. Um, and I even wrote that in my book. And I think you're speaking like a true twin parent, but other others will understand this too, is that it's one thing, yeah, when you're just speaking up about your needs, I think it's another thing and it adds another layer when you know that need is going to have a negative, or maybe not negative, but it is going to have an impact on someone else. So for Matt and I, in my season where I was also needing a lot more rest, like it was a direct impact on him. He would get up with all the kids. He would have to make breakfast so I could get an hour, you know, an extra hour of sleep. If I needed to lay down in the afternoon, he was on. It totally was like, and that layer, it can be harder because you do know, I recognize this is making your day harder. (laughs) <laughs> like and, and I like, recognize that and and thank you. But I think there's an opportunity there for give and take and having just a lot of open communication around it too because it can be hard because you're yeah. both working hard. That is, um, there's a, and I, I'm dying to have her on the show, um, but there is a book called Fair Play. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've, have you, are you, okay. I have it. It's so good and it's about um, balancing the load of um, like home duties and childcare between spouses. Um, And it's about how women, even when women are the higher earner or even when they're the like 
um, only one working full time or something, women still carry so much more of the mental and like um, task load. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's that I should say, that's actually not true in my family, which is Carl is amazing. Um, But we, they have these cards where you can kind of like divvy out and, and get a, get a visual um, idea of like, who's, who's in charge of what. And we did them because we were finding that there were some tasks where we both felt really responsible for them. And we're like, Mm -hmm. well, okay, that's a waste of energy for us both to be like, you know, both carrying this and no one's sure who's doing it. And so we like divvied up all these cards. And at the end of the thing, our load hadn't really gotten lighter because we we thought like, maybe I'm taking on so much and the other person isn't taking on as much. And like, I'll be able to give some of my cards away and they'll be like, wow, you're so like, you know, you've been doing so much. (laughs) And we both are sitting there at the end with just this huge stack of cards and we're going, what in the world? Like, uh, okay, so what we're carrying is too much for yeah. two people. <laughs> like that, right. that was the that this was the not takeaway. actually helping either of us. Well, no. I we need to do the cards. I have them. We haven't done them yet, but I do think that's going to be super helpful because there are things that I think I'm carrying this, I'm carrying that, and then I forget of some of the things he's carrying, right? Because I don't carry them. Like I forget of some of those little things. But yeah. also, just fair warning, I was reading that book. Um. And Matt was not. And I found myself getting really mad at him while I was reading the book. And and then I realized, like, this is not fair to him. He's like, why are you all of a sudden so mad at me? And I was like, I'm sorry. I Because the book is calling out some typical things. And I realized I was like, yeah, that's right. And getting kind of pissed off at him. And that was not fair. So fair warning, like, read it like, together. I'm not mad at you. A- I'm mad at men for the history yes. of forever and right. all of my friends that are caring too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that poor guy is going to bed so mad at him. I'm like, good night. <laughs> I I loved I really loved doing the cards though because even though we both either even though it didn't necessarily like lighten either one of our loads to yeah. sort of redistribute it was really helpful to be like to actively get to um negotiate like yes. I hate this please yes. don't make me do this what can I take of yours that you hate in exchange you know and like Carl does all of our grocery shopping and meal prep now and like I still make the girls lunches and I usually make them breakfast, but like I don't, the question of what's for dinner is like not even something I think about ever anymore. Yeah. And it is so wonderful. And it's, but like I have all kinds of things that like he, it like doesn't even, like it's not even on his radar because it's yeah. on my radar. And right. anyway, so it was, a, it was a really, it was a really helpful thing. Um, I'm like, how did we even get here? <laughs> Tell me, um, how would you define mom guilt? Like, I'm just really, I feel like no one ever defines it. They just say like, oh, mom guilt. And so I was thinking about that. Like, I would love to talk about that for a second. Like, what's happening? What is yeah. what is mom guilt? When I think about mom guilt, I think it can look different for all of us based on whatever expectations we have set around what a good mom looks like. So... I think it can look different based on the type of house you were raised in, the home you were raised in, what you saw modeled for you or whatever you created as a, this is what a good mom looks like when you're not measuring up to that. I think that's when mom guilt creeps in. So I really do think it's individual and that's why you do have some people who really struggle with it um, if they're a working mom and others who don't or those who really struggle with it um, in terms of 
how their kids look. <laughs> you know, do they show up all put together and cute and clean? <laughs> Mine do not. Mine um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I think in that way, I think it's helpful to, again, it's all unique for each of us. But I think when we feel like there's an expectation that we're not meeting of what it means to be a good mom, that's when that guilt creeps in. So I know for me personally, I can speak from my experience. I think the guilt comes in also if I feel at all like I'm letting my kids down. So if I feel like they need something more from me or want something more from me and I'm not there to provide it or I'm not um, as present as I could be or... You know, I think that for me is when I will experience that. My kids are getting a little bit older so they can communicate. Whereas when they're babies, it's it's less clear. It may be more of a feeling like, gosh, I just feel really bad that my kid is at daycare or is that with a nanny and not with their mom. Um, but I also think it's just so interesting because I was raised by a working mom. I went to daycare. I had, you know, in-home daycare. I have the best memories from it. I developed such a sweet, special relationship with Sherry. Um, she still, you know, is my Facebook friend today and comments <laughs> on my pictures, um, which is so fun. And so I think that really impacts my ability to be a working mom, knowing that I was raised in a home with that um, and thrived and felt loved and got to see my mom do something that helped her um, thrive in her life. And, it, and so, um, yeah, but I have other friends who really struggle and say, you know, how do you... How do you compartmentalize that? So that's what it brings up for me. But I think it's something that we also, the more we talk about, the better it is, like with our friends or with our communities, because it's something just like most things that are around guilt and shame in silence or when you feel alone in them is when it feels the heaviest. And then we can start to make up stories in our head about it that may not actually even be true. Yeah, yeah. Um, earlier you were talking about how like each one of us is unique. And I actually really want to go back to that in a second, but that like, you know, you were learning from single men who don't have kids and like the way that they run their businesses is going to be totally different. Like they just have different, just a different set of circumstances. And I, and that's true also for things like childcare or like how our families function. It's like every kid is different. Every parent is different. Every work, every job has different requirements or flexibilities or, you know, things. And, and so it just like, when we're comparing, when we're just like flat comparing, you know, this is how many hours my friend's kid is in childcare versus my kids. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but we're, we're ignoring so much of the picture Mm-hmm. as to why those decisions were made and why different decisions could be made, but still be the best for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really a, easy to like zoom in like that. It is. And I think it's a helpful question to ask ourselves of like, do I really feel guilty about this? Like, do I really feel like this is a problem for our family or a problem for me and my relationship with my kids? Or am I just putting that expectation on myself because I feel like I should, right? Because mm-hmm. I know many homes and families that work like really different or the the husband um, is the primary caregiver and the mom is working, you know, nine to five, nine to six, sometimes in an office, but they feel great about the fact that they're 
their situation. It works really well for them. And so, but there can still be the temptation from other inputs or other influences that might make you feel guilty. So taking that and just saying, do I really feel guilty here? And is this guilt telling me, okay, actually something's out of alignment with my priorities. And so therefore I want to make a change if I have the privilege to do so, right? Recognizing that we don't always have the privilege to make the changes we may want to make. Or is this something that's like, no, that's actually an outside influence that's coming in on me. That's a comparison. And that's not really my situation. I'm just, I'm just absorbing that and applying that to myself when I don't need to. Yeah, 100%. Um, talk to me. I want to go back because you said something about... You said a very impressive sciencey term, like bio-individual or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but I actually, I'm really curious as to what, because I, I don't know that I've ever heard, is that, was, did I get that right? Am you I did. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever heard that term before. And I'm like, I just, I feel like there's just going to be something really interesting there that I would love to like yeah. dive into so, a little more. I think when we consider that we are all bio-individual unique, so... My makeup is different than your makeup. Though not my our face, our biological makeup. <laughs> Although your makeup does look good if you're even wearing any looks fresh and clean. Oh, thank you. So thank you. um but our our biological makeup. So my what's going on in my body right now with the hormone levels flowing through my body, my bone density, my muscle mass. Um, what's happening in my digestion right now, the amount of gut bacteria I have, right? All of these things is different than what's happening in your body right now. So we may have like similar processes happening, but we all have individual things happening in our body. So when we remember this, and I think this is super helpful, again, in a world where we have so much information about you should do this diet you should do this workout plan, you should be fasting, you should be keto, you should be this. All of these, you should be, it's the best thing. None of it applies to every person. So that is when it's our job to recognize that we are unique. And our job is to get to know our bodies and honor our bodies and consider, gosh, okay, so what I know about my body is that I tend to respond better to these types of foods. Or I feel my best when I eat a big nourishing breakfast with lots of fat and protein. And like breakfast is my biggest meal of the day, actually. And I feel my best as opposed to saying, oh, I need to intermittent fast because everyone's telling me to do that. And then, and then you're not feeling your best, right? There's reasons for that. It's your hormones. It's your body. Um, so knowing you know, even the type of workouts you, that are most beneficial for you, knowing what makes you feel your best based on your season? How much sleep are you getting? (laughs) How are your hormones, right? How are you recovering from an injury? Are you dealing with um, autoimmune disease, right? Are these things impact the choices that you make? And I actually think we can use this to be so empowering because again, let's remove all of that. You can go on Instagram or wherever you go, TikTok today, and you can see, literally you can swipe through. We've all experienced this one thing telling you you have to do eat these foods or do this workout. And then you go to the next one, it says why you should never eat those foods or never do that workout. <laughs> it's crazy making. So what we get to do is tune into ourselves, listen to our own bodies. And so when I speak to that bio-individuality, it applies to how we eat, how we rest, how much we choose to exercise and move. And 
it's actually quite motivating and freeing when you start looking at it from that perspective instead of what you quote unquote should be doing. I love it so much. I love it so much. Um, The question that's coming up for me is like, I feel like that is so freeing until we get to that point in at least like, I I hope not everyone has this in their in their head, but I know that I do. Where I'm like, okay, yeah, but what if what if the thing that makes me feel the best like doesn't like yeah. what if being ten pounds heavier or something is where I feel the best? But what if that's not how like my pants don't fit then, or that's not how yeah. I want to look? You know, totally. And this is a real real challenge, and I try to speak to this quite a bit in my programs and in my book, because I think there have been two ends of the spectrum and I'm trying to find that middle ground. So one end of the spectrum being do all the things, right? You're you're aesthetically trying to look the best you can. Like, come on, scale is all that matters. Your size of your jeans, this is why we're working out. Track every macro, count every step. You know, there's kind of that extreme camp, right? I'm going to one end of the the pendulum swinging. And then you go to the other, which actually isn't this, but it has kind of become this by accident, which is like extreme body positivity, right? So I think body positivity was actually is actually meant to be able to span both sides of the spectrum that you can appreciate, love, and care for your body, whether you're working out and getting in the best shape of your life or whether you're embracing the body you completely have. But what I see is people kind of feeling like they have to pick one or the other. Either full body acceptance, I love myself just as I am, even though my jeans don't fit and I feel uncomfortable in my body, or I need to be over here getting fit, doing all the other things. So I want people to recognize that actually these things can coexist. So finding, taking care of yourself, getting into great shape, changing your body composition, if that's a goal of yours, can be done in a way that is still freeing, still about nourishing your body and truly caring for your body in the best way that you can, not in a way that is about restriction, about guilt, about shame, about needing to fix yourself in order to be happy. We have to do the inner work as well, right? You're not going to be a happier person when you lose 10 pounds, right? You're not going to be a happier person just because your genes fit better. It does reduce an inconvenience in your life, <laughs> right? <laughs> say, it, it's, it is a little distracting. Because it like, is frustrating when your clothes it's frustrating. don't fit. Yes, it's frustrating. So we, it, can, we can solve that inconvenience by either buying larger jeans, even for a period of time, right? Or for a permanent amount of time. Or we can also solve that inconvenience by getting a little bit more it's focused and intentional on you know the foods you're eating how much you're moving and these how much sleep you're getting how your hormones are balanced all these things that impact our body shape and size but the biggest thing i want to call out is our bodies are going to change and they are meant to change somewhere along the way we got the idea that our body was supposed to stay the same size its whole life <laughs> Nowhere in our handbook, I don't think we have a handbook, but does it say that a woman's body is going to stay the same size and shape its whole life? I have had many variations of my body over the last 10 years. Many. After having four kids, going through a pregnancy loss, 
Um, lots of fluctuations. I've I've gained. I've lost. I've been stronger. I've had been weaker. Uh, all of these things, and that's a part of being a woman. That's a part of having a body and going through different seasons of life. So I also think doing that work to say, okay, how much of my worth am I defining by the size and shape of my body and how my clothes fit? That's the most important work to do first, right? That right there matters before you do anything. And then if you end up saying, I am so loving my workouts. I am loving eating more whole balanced meals and these things. And as a result, your jeans fit better. That's okay too. But we first have to focus on how are we seeing our worth and value? Why are we taking care of ourselves, And less on just kind of the outcome at the end or how the jeans fit or what the scale says, which can trip us up the most. Yeah. I am... I'm sitting here going like, and now everyone's like, oh, this is why Stephanie loves Robin so much. I mean, they knew that from the very beginning, but like, it's this is why I, I really am. Um, uh, for years, I've been such a, a stickler with myself with who whose voices I allow into my brain because there, there are just a bazillion voices out there. And like you said, there people will tell you to do the exact opposite thing and tell you that you're so dumb if you do the other one. You know, it's yes. it's so confusing. Um, but also like, it's just a really slippery slope in my brain um, to go from a place where I'm like in a healthy spot mentally and emotionally and and even physically to a place where like, I may, I may look different, but my brain or my heart, they're not in good places. And so yes. I just I'm like- I'm so glad you mentioned that. I feel like I, I, I'm so glad to have your voice. Your voice is so positive and so um, helpful with like, like wellness in all ways. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so important. I love that. One of the first things I call out, the first chapter is called Reframe. And it's all about this because we have to first reframe our entire definition of success around what health looks like, right? Because if we keep operating under the same belief system that we always have, and that looks different for all of us, some of mine were that wellness always equals weight loss. That was one of mine. I would get stuck in the all or nothing mentality, right? I'm either all on a plan or I'm off a plan. I'm either doing good or doing bad. It's either a long, hard workout or it's no workout at all. These are things that really kept me stuck. And I'm glad you called out kind of the slippery slope because again, we're all unique in this way, but I'm similar to you. I have to be very intentional about the approach that I take and my self-talk to make sure that I am not falling back into old habits and patterns that I thought were healthy, that that look healthy on the outside, but for me, were actually internally, I was beating myself up. I'm living in guilt and shame. I'm putting too much pressure on myself to look a certain way. I'm feeling trapped or restricted around food or around what I'm doing for my workouts. I have to be really intentional about that as well, which I think you see coming out in my book or in my work in general, because some of us are recognized that slippery slope and we know we have to be careful around it. Others may not even know there's really a slippery slope there, but I want to help everyone avoid that slippery slope because it starts seeping into your day. And you could be the most fit person on the outside. Aesthetically, you could you know, look like you know, you're on the cover of Fitness Magazine. But my question is always, That's great. That's one aspect of wellness and fitness. What's happening on the inside? 
How's your mental health? Do you feel freedom? And around food, how's your nervous system? Are you resting? How's your posture? Are you breathing? How's your flexibility and your mobility? There's so much more. How are your relationships? Good health. Exactly. How are your relationships? How's your community? Are you playing? Are you enjoying life? These are all things that actually equal wellness that need to be considered. And, And they're not often depicted in traditional, you know, places we go to look for fitness advice. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I wanted to ask you, going back to like doing it all um, and the fact that nobody does it all, what are some things that 